Welcome back to Real Big Mistakes, where we reevaluate a film's critical consensus on Rotten Tomatoes and determine if the movies are better or worse than their reputation suggests. I'm Jason Konigsberg of PanandSlam.com. And I am Rich Tola. All right, and this was my pick, and uh, this one I'm really, really surprised was rotten. I was looking for something to do for Black History Month, and it turns out that what's it's kind of a movie that's more, I don't know, this is our first Marvel movie, is it not, Rich? Is this technically a Marvel movie? It's not the MCU, but it's based on a Marvel comic, a Marvel character, uh, so okay. yeah, well, I'll just, you know, give my introduction. So before the Marvel Cinematic Universe dominated the blockbuster landscape, Wesley Snipes starred as Blade, which became an unlikely hit during the late summer of 1998. It was the first box office success for Marvel, and even though Blade could not be more different in its look, violence, and tone than the modern Disney-produced Marvel movies... It unofficially paved the way for bigger hits based on Marvel properties like X-Men, Spider-Man, and eventually Iron Man. Uh, And the first Blade was lucrative enough to have two sequels. However, it was not well-received by critics, which I was surprised about. Once again, I do remember in 1998, Siskel and Ebert giving it two thumbs up and high praise. Um, So it's considered rotten. And I am really interested, uh, Rich, in going back to the late 90s with you when comic book movie adaptations were less common and really discussing the strengths and weaknesses of the original Blade, one of the first big Marvel movies. So um, I'll get it started. What are your memories of this movie? You have not seen it until this week, correct? Uh, Yeah, haven't seen it. Um, My knowledge of the Blade movies is that Wesley Snipes is in them, and that there are three of them, and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you didn't know he was a vampire killer or anything? No, did not know anything about that. Um, No, literally nothing else. Didn't even know it was a comic book character, to be honest with you. Oh, wow, okay. Well, I mean, I remember seeing this in theaters, and I remember being really impressed with it. And then I got it on DVD and being super, super, super impressed with it. And uh, just, I've watched it a lot. I had friends that loved it. Uh, We watched it a lot in high school. We watched it in college. Um, And uh, yeah, I just think it's it's really, you know, it's been a standout movie for me. And I think it heavily, heavily, heavily influenced The Matrix. Did you think of that while you were watching it at all, The Matrix? Um, yeah, I guess. When did The Matrix come out? Right after this? Uh, spring of 1999, so like eight, March, April 99, and uh, this was August 1998, so if it did influence, I, I would say it was very, it was more coincidental, but I feel like a lot of the shots, a lot of the martial arts, a lot of the, the real world, you know, versus the, the world that we know, uh, sort of, it's just, instead of it being a computer cyber world, it's a world of, an underworld of vampires, um, so I yeah, thought that was, I, that, that was a similarity for sure, you know. Yeah, and, I can see the similarities. I'd be surprised if, like, because of the, the close proximity to the release dates. Yeah. Maybe there was some, you know, <laughs> underground knowledge of this, uh, of the plot of this movie. And, uh, you know how sometimes, like, similar movies yeah. are released the same time? Yeah, by, yeah, yeah. Um, 
So, I don't know, maybe Well, that, there's, know. there's actually another movie that is hard sci-fi, which I know you probably haven't seen. Maybe you haven't even heard of. Have you ever seen or heard of Dark City? No, I haven't. Neither that seen came or, out or heard of it. February of 98, and that movie heavily influenced the visual style of The Matrix. The only difference being the Kung Fu. So it's almost like Matrix took elements of Blade and elements of the visual you know, look of Dark City um, and put them together and they found the recipe for success uh, more so than the other movies. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Blade is a very interesting character. I think it's an interesting film. We'll get to talk about the actor today um, and, and the writer and director uh, as well and some other actors so um but this was not the first marvel movie this was actually the second uh marvel movie to get a theatrical release do you know what the first official marvel character to get his own movie was at least via theatrical release um i'll give you a clue yeah give me a clue george lucas was involved in it oh howard the duck you got it. The 1986 flop, Howard the Duck. Yes. Okay. That was the first Marvel, you know, movie based on a Marvel comic book character. Um, and then what about there were the Punisher movie, Punisher with Thomas Jane. It that that oh the Punisher with Thomas Jane was nineteen. It was two thousand and four ish. That we were in college when that came out. The one with Dolph Lundgren was in the early 90s, there was The Punisher, there was a Fantastic Four movie that never actually got released, and there was a Captain America movie, also like late 80s, early 90s, or maybe 91. Um, Those all went straight to video. They were very low budget, they couldn't afford the theatrical releasing in North America or in many parts of the world. So yeah, so those all came out beforehand, and they were all not successful financially, or they just went straight to video. So... Uh, yeah, good points bringing those up. I was going to be sure to mention uh, that. So that's a little bit of the history of Marvel movies. And now Marvel couldn't be more different now than it was in the 90s. I mean, just look at this Blade movie. Whether you like it or not, you've got to admit, it doesn't look or feel or sound like most Marvel movies of the past decade. No, not at all. Um, yeah. But what comic book movie really set the tone do you think? I, I'll, well, you could say Superman 1 back in 78 or Batman, Tim Burton's Batman in 1989. Yeah, I was thinking more Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah, yeah. that, And then that ushered in a comic book era. But remember, this came out. It's very important, worth noting. Um, you know, this movie came out, you know, a year after Batman and Robin temporarily killed the comic book genre. (laughs) Okay. So yeah. And, uh, but this influenced the matrix. It influenced MCU. And I think it was black history month. I want to tie it back into that, a black leading role, you know, a big role for an African American leading man in a blockbuster movie and in a superhero movie. And I've been reading for years that they're going to do a reboot with two time Academy award winner, Mahershala Ali. He won for Moonlight and Green Book. I guess COVID put the brakes on that for a little bit, but I've, I did read from this. They're still moving forward, and they have plans to make a to just you know redo the Blade franchise with him as part of the MCU. So um, okay, yeah. But then even before this, there were a few black superhero movies. Can you think of any superhero movies with a black uh, leading role prior to Blade? 
uh, Blank Man. I didn't. I like Blank Man. If you count Blank Man, then yes, I like Blank Man. The other three that I'm going to name are terrible, but let's see if you can think of some other ones. Norbit. <laughs> That's not a superhero movie. No, I know. <laughs> and um, that came out afterwards. Uh, one day we have to do an Eddie Murphy movie. I don't know which one, yeah. but I'll, I'll pick an Eddie Murphy movie. Some uh, Hopefully one that's not too painful for us. Are, are they... Um, uh, I, hmm... Are they like legitimate movies or are they comedies? They were all, one is a comedy and the other two are serious. They were all theatrically released, I'll tell you that. When I tell you the titles, you'll say, oh, I remember them. I don't know if you've seen them, but you've at the very least heard of these movies. Um, I don't know. Go ahead. The first comic book movie with a black leading man, of uh, African-American uh, superhero, Meteor Man. Okay, who's in that? Robert Townsend. Yes, I was thinking that actually. I I was I I could picture the cover. I never saw it, but I could picture it, the it cover. It isn't very good. <laughs> yeah, so. and that's what made me think of Blank Man. Honestly, Blank okay. Man is good Media with Damon Man. Wayans. I like Blank Man. I don't even know if Blank Man is a legitimate comic or if that was just a creation by yeah I think Damon Wayans. However, <laughs> I I don't know, but I liked. I remember liking Blank Man a lot. John Polito is the villain. David Allen Greer is his assistant. Yeah, I remember yeah. really liking Blank Man. Um, Meteor Man, not so much. And the other two, they both came out in the summer of 1997. I guess between these two movies and Batman and Robin, the summer of 1997 was a really bad time for superhero movies. Um, Spawn with Michael Jai White as Spawn. That's the one I was thinking. When I said The Punisher, I meant Spawn. Isn't that the one? That's the one with um, John Leguizamo, right? Yes, he's the clown. Yeah, have you seen that one? Yeah. Okay, so yeah, Spawn. That's actually the one I was thinking of when I said The Punisher. I loved Spawn, the HBO animated series, which was really dark and, you know, really similar to the comics. The sp- the fact that the Spawn movie went PG-13, and it was very early CGI, and I don't know what you think of the CGI in Blade or in other late 90s CGI. I don't think you'll see worse CGI than you will in the Spawn, the 1997 Spawn. I don't recommend that. And the other okay. one... The other one, I, you won't guess it, I'll just tell you. Steel with Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Okay, so I, just, I knew you would have heard of the, these movies, but uh, and the less you've seen of that, probably the better. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so that's a little bit of a history of you know comic book movies at the time leading up to Blade, which is why Blade was sort of unceremoniously released in mid to late August of 1998, but it ended up being, I think, I thought the reviews were good, a legitimately good movie, and because of that, I think it ended up earning a lot of money. It was number one at the box office in, like, the dog days of summer and early September of uh, that time. So I thought Mm -hmm. that was, uh, you know, uh, quite an accomplishment for this movie that maybe, you know, comic book movies were bad and the studio didn't have the fact that it came out in mid to late august usually isn't a good sign that's when island of dr moreau came out Uh, so (laughs) you usually don't find the studios aren't putting their a game out there um at that point so um okay and something else worth mentioning uh this movie started because wesley snipes failed to get a comic book adaptation of black panther made he was working yeah, with John Singleton that. trying to get Black Panther and either the financing fell through or they didn't have the money and the budget to do what they wanted to do with Wakanda. And it certainly, if it did get made, it wouldn't have looked like the one from, you know, a few years ago. Um, 
But uh, that's how it started, and then somehow Blade entered into the conversation, and Wesley Snipes, who is a real martial artist, a uh, real like third-degree black belt, and I don't know, he, he does know his stuff with martial arts. Um, so he added a lot of that, I think, to uh, this film. So, All right. Um, all right, so I feel like we just talked about 1998, right? We did Dirty Work. So, dirty yeah, we work, could just yeah. run down. Yeah, we did Dirty Work was 98. Um, we could just run down the best picture. Do you remember what one best picture? Was it Shakespeare in Love? It was Shakespeare in Love, but it should have been. Do you remember what I say it should have been? Saving Private Ryan. You are absolutely right. And any other favorite movies of 1998? Uh, besides Dirty Work, of course. Uh, not that we didn't already mention. Um, I don't okay. remember the list off the top of my head, but I know we, we talked about that year. There's some big ones, you know, The Truman Show, Armageddon. We talked mm-hmm. about There's Something About Mary, Mask of Zorro, um, and then, you know, some critical hits, A Simple Plan, Thin Red Line, Life is Beautiful. Did you ever see Life is Beautiful, Rich? No, I haven't. I think you'd like that. Uh, the yeah, Italian I mean. Roberta Benino movie, uh, Gods and Monsters, Primary Colors, Ronan, Rushmore. Adam Sandler had a big year with The Wedding Singer and The Water Boy. That was sort of his breakout year. Uh, Happiness, The Siege, Lethal Weapon 4. So, yeah, some big titles there. And Blade ended up being a you know, surprise hit uh, from that summer. Um, so, yeah. All right, let's talk about the director. And sorry, not the director. We'll talk about him at the end. Let's there's not the much cast. to say about the director. No, oh, the director but the cast, there's that's... more to say about the cast. And there's one, if you mention his name, I'll tell you a story about one of the cast members. So. All right, well, Wesley Snipes uh, is the lead in this movie. Yeah. Um, not a lot of dialogue out of him. Um, I don't know if yeah. you noticed that. Kind of um, like Batman or kind of like the Terminator, you know. But he does certainly have a presence, I think. Yeah. Um, so he plays, uh, Blade, also known as, uh, I guess his first name is Eric. I don't know if Blade is his last name or his nickname. I think it's his nickname. I think nickname. it's Eric. I forgot what his real name is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, okay. his, his mother calls him Eric. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so he's the lead. Um, what's your favorite Wesley Snipes movie or role jay uh that's a tough one i because i do really like blade but i you know wesley snipes i don't think he gets the credit that he deserves i mean he sort of had a his in the 90s late 80s and uh throughout the 90s he was a, a really really big deal where it was like wesley or denzel they were like the two biggest african-american leading men mm-hmm. in the world and then Wesley didn't pay his taxes, and it he went from, you know, big, you know, budget, action, leading roles to straight-to-video crap, like, overnight. And then yeah. he didn't, you know, and not really having... Uh, Blade Trinity, which was, I think, 2004, we were in college when that came out, I think that was his last leading role in a movie until either right before or right after he went to jail for not paying his taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but my favorite, I'm going to go with White Men Can't Jump. I really think that's a fantastic movie. I think that's a, a very funny comedy, him and Woody Harrelson. They made another movie together, Money Train, which I liked, but most people didn't. Uh, it's not nearly as good as White Men Can't Jump. Uh, but he, Wesley Snipes also, I don't think he gets enough credit for being a good dramatic or comedic actor. I think he's predominantly, you think Wesley Snipes, you think action, you think Blade, mm-hmm. you think Passenger 57. Uh, but he really, I mean, 
I don't know if you ever saw this movie, and if you did, I don't recommend it. The Whitney Houston movie, uh, Waiting to Exhale. No, I never saw it. He had a really good part in it. Okay, he's the best part of the movie, if you ask me. So, yeah, um, and I think I know your favorite Wesley Snipes movie. Go ahead. Was it Willie Mays Hayes in Major League? Yes, it is. <laughs> I knew it, because I know how much you love Major League. Anything else besides that that stands out to you for Wesley Snipes, good, bad, or otherwise? Run like Mays, hit like Hayes. You may run <laughs> like Mays, but you hit like shit. <laughs> um... Anything else I know him for? Um, or that good, bad, otherwise, I mean, you know. I mean, you know, obviously White Man Can't Jump is was a big one when, when mm-hmm. we were younger. Yeah. Um, Demolition Man. You know, I never liked Demolition Man. And I know it's as t- time has been very kind to that movie. I didn't like it when I first saw it way back in the day. And I, I get the jokes now and how it's become a little bit more, you know, prescient, I suppose. But uh, I just, it's okay. I, I don't know. I, I remember liking Dennis Leary in that movie as the leader of the underground. Um, <laughs> of but, course uh, you did. Yeah, I like Dennis Leary, as Rich knows. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I wasn't too impressed with that. Well, movie, his, so. his, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, his haircut in that movie is what prompted Dennis Rodman to make his hair colored and inspired his hairstyles throughout the late 90s early 2000s okay yeah i i didn't uh, I know say, that sorry i should say mid to mid 90s yeah because that, that was like 92 93 yeah. when that came out so yeah and i remember dennis rodman was because when he was on the pistons he was just like an average you know looking dude and then all of a sudden i think he went to the spurs and he was like look at me and then of course we all remember him with the bulls and well yeah his, and when he went to the spurs was right after this demolition man came out and wesley Snipes' hair was dyed blonde in that movie and that's how rodman started okay interesting because of that, i did because yeah. because he was so inspired by simon phoenix that's the character's yes. name right okay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I don't like the movie but I, and i actually think i remember uh, uh stallone's character was he john spartan Yes, he was. Okay, See? okay, yeah. So, ah, it sounds uh, like you like the movie to me. You, you know what? I actually prefer Judge Dredd, because to me, Judge Dredd is so bad it's good. Demolition Man is not good enough to recommend, but not not bad enough for me to consider it a guilty pleasure. So I guess it's I'll give it that much credit. Um, I remember all for all the restaurants are Taco Bell or something like that. I remember that, yeah. <laughs> I remember Arnold Schwarzenegger gets elected president. Um, uh, I don't remember that. I remember there's a line where he became president. Really? <laughs> Something like that. I yeah, remember the uh, the simulated sex, which I was like, what? What is this? <laughs> like, this yeah, I remember, that I remember every yeah. time he said an obscenity, he got a fine. So it sort of predicted PC culture. Uh, maybe yeah. this would be a movie that we could do. I don't think the reviews, because it's a Stallone movie in the 90s, so I don't think the you know most Stallone movies in the 80s and 90s did not have the best reviews. So maybe that would be one that we could or should revisit in the future. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I feel like Wesley Snipes, I, for the most part, most of the movies I saw, I liked him in, or I liked the movies. Um, but, uh, yeah, when he, his career really nosedived real quick, he went from being, you know, a leading man in major Hollywood movies to straight to video, like Nicolas Cage, it was a slow, long, sad decline. This was overnight, practically. Right. Um, I remember him in Murder at 1600. 
I like that movie. That I wasn't like well too. received, but I remember liking that movie. Yeah, and I guess the you know a regular DC cop breaking into the White House is pretty far fetched. But I remember that was the first time I saw Diane Lane in a movie, and I thought, wow, she's beautiful. I remember it had Dennis Miller in Dennis it. Dennis Miller was in it, yeah. Back when he was super super popular, yeah. And I liked Dennis Miller doing his shtick in there as his his partner. Mm. Um, yeah, so that was yeah. He made some good movies in the nineties. So yeah, once he again, also, but he also made Two Wong Fu. Thanks for everything julie newmar i know of that <laughs> i never saw the whole thing i know that has john leguizamo okay yeah i've seen pieces and... of it it's it was an americanized remake of a very good australian movie called the adventures of priscilla queen of the desert about three uh, drag okay. queens that had terrence stamp guy pierce and hugo weaving uh in drag it i think it won an oscar for costume design and it deserved it um, it's a, it, that's a good movie. I recommend Adventures of Priscilla Queen of the Desert. I, I don't know enough about to Julie Newmar, <laughs> to Wong Fu, yeah. whatever, that, that mouthful of a title. Both of them have long, long titles, but okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's interesting. <laughs> so there's good, with the good and the bad of Wesley Snipes, but I think he was an interesting actor. And I think actually from an African-American standpoint, I think him and Eddie Murphy did a lot to elevate really dark skinned uh african-american actors and elevate their staff i think he he was kind of the one that made it cool i, I remember charlie murphy saying edit wesley snipes was the one this is before wesley snipes he made it cool you know to be really really dark skinned and really black uh before that eddie murphy was yeah i guess a little bit more of a trailblazer in that uh regard mm-hmm. as well so um all right um anything else on wesley snipes i see he's in some of the more recent movies that i've heard of but uh, he, does he have small roles in those movies? Like what movies? I liked him in Dolomite Is My Name. I actually thought he should have gotten them. an Oscar nomination for that. Did you see that movie? He got an Oscar nomination for that. Uh, he should have. No, uh, not that movie got no Oscar. I think Eddie Murphy should have at least been nominated, and I thought Wesley Snipes was so good he should have been nominated. No, I, I really like Dolomite Is My Name. We're talking about yeah, two great you know actors of the '80s and '90s you know coming together you know with sort of now in has been territory, but and they also reunited for the god-awful coming to America, which the less said about that, the better. That just made the first coming to America one of my favorite Eddie Murphy, if not my favorite Eddie Murphy movies, uh, seem a little less special, so. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, oh, the other one was um, Chirac or Chirac, whatever you call it. Chirac. Chirac, yeah. sorry. Yeah, about Chicago. Yes, yeah. he was good in that small part. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson was in that. That is a very good, it's a controversial movie. I don't expect... That didn't have, like, the crossover appeal like some other Spike Lee movies do, like Black Klansman or Malcolm X or, uh, you know, He Got Game. But Chirac was definitely a—I thought that was a good movie. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Steven Dorff plays Deacon Frost. He's kind of the bad guy in this movie. Or mm-hmm. he is the bad guy in this movie. Yeah. I don't know him for much else that jumps out at me. How about you? Um I, you know what, he was one of those guys, I feel like he was popular, like, or they were, like, the studio was trying to push him, and Uh just whatever he made besides this movie flopped. He was in a movie that we mentioned on this podcast when we were talking about Predator 2, Uh, it was because it was directed by the same guy, it was directed by Stephen Hopkins, good movie called Judgment Night. 
Emilio Estevez, Dennis Leary, um, Cuba Gooding Jr., <laughs> and uh, Stephen Dorff, uh, Jeremy Piven was in it. So, yeah, quite a cast, but I think at the time, Emilio Estevez was the most famous, and now <laughs> I think he's the least famous of all yeah. those people, including Stephen Dorff, maybe. Um, so, yeah, he did a, a couple other uh, random movies. I'm sure if you read the titles of what he did in the late 90s, early 2000s, I'll be like, oh, yeah, I remember that or I saw that, but um, I think... I think I do remember him winning Best Villain at, in a movie from the MTV Movie Awards for uh, his part as Deacon Frost in uh, Blade. Really? I think I'm pretty sure you may want to fact check that, but I'm, I'm going by my memory of the 1990, I guess it must have been 99, MTV Movie Awards. Um, so, yeah, you may want to double check that. I think he won Best Villain for that. All right. Um, Chris Christofferson plays yep. Abraham Whistler. Um, uh, I, I know him, I guess, most prominently from Heaven's Gate, one of the worst or biggest box office bombs there is, right? Have you actually seen, yeah, he was the lead in that. Have you actually seen Heaven's Gate? I have. Wow, okay. <laughs> that is something, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's like a train wreck. It is. You just have to keep watching I agree. It's just, I, I don't know. There's something about it. I agree. I it has to be seen to be believed. There's certain bad movies that are like, oh my God, that's so bad. I can't believe I watched that. Then there's certain bad movies that are like historically bad. And yeah, that's a good, it's, Heaven's Gate is like, I mean, there's so many different cuts of it. I think the one that I saw was a little over three hours. And I mean, it's uh, ugly ugly it's like they intentionally made the cinematography look dirty and yeah. nasty and grand tough to see and what a talented cast because you have chris christopherson in the leading role you've got isabel huppert you've got uh sam waterston christopher walken jeff bridges i mean so many talented actors and mm-hmm. uh what's oh god i'm forgetting the director's name uh, Chimino, uh, he, right? Michael Chimino, thank you. He did the Deer Hunter. This was yeah. his follow up to the Deer Hunter. And you, well, once again, you talk about a fall from grace. He fell faster than Wesley Snipes did, or maybe more prolifically than Wesley Snipes did. No, he didn't go to jail, but he may have gone to director jail. And we'll talk about director jail later on when we get to this director. And bankrupt uh, the studio. He completely bankrupted, it was United Artists, I think, and they mm-hmm. had to merge with MGM. And now MGM is bankrupt, and they had to, I think they were bought by Amazon. Jeff Bezos owns MGM and their entire library and the rights to all of their movies. So, yeah, it's sad, but, you know, the movie studios that were once so mighty have become. Uh, but, yeah, so Chris Christopherson was in that. He was in the... Uh, the he was in a Scorsese movie called Alice Doesn't Live uh, Here Anymore. He was, not to be confused with the Troy McClure movie, Alice Doesn't Live Anymore. Um, he was in <laughs> he was in a really, uh, the, the uh, Star is Born, one of the remakes of A Star is Born, the one from the 70s with him and Barbara Streisand. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, to me, I think the movie role I know him the most is, is Whistler in the Blade movies. But, of course, I, I think I really, uh, he was in a Steven Seagal movie called Fire Down Below. <laughs> Wait, you said Blade movies. He, he did, doesn't he, isn't he dead at the end of this one? Well, I guess maybe you need to see the sequels. Oh, yeah. Uh, cliffhanger. <laughs> I, don't, I don't ruin good moves. I, Blade Trinity is certainly a major step down from Blade 1 and Blade 2. I still like it and have fun with it. But um, Blade, 
Uh, two was directed by Guillermo del Toro, and there are many that consider it to be better than uh, the first Blade. I happen to like them both equally. Um, but Well, maybe I'd give Blade 1 just a little bit more of the edge because it was the first one and it created and established this whole world and the rules of it and everything. So a, a world that I enjoyed spending time in. So yeah, Chris Christopherson is in a, he's, he's popped up in a lot of other movies. He was in payback yeah, yeah. with Mel Gibson. Yeah. He's a character actor, but also his first, his job first and foremost, he was a musician. He was one of the highway men with Johnny cash. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was a highwayman. Yeah, great, great uh, album that they produced. It was him. Let's see, Johnny Cash, Chris Christopherson, Waylon Jennings, uh, Willie Nelson. I think it was just those four. Okay. Yeah, it was like a super group. It was like the Traveling Wilburys of country. So, gotcha. Um, yeah. All right. Um... I, I'm, I might mess up this name, and maybe you could help me. Nabush Wright? Is that right? Uh, Nabushe Wright, or Nabush Wright, right. yeah. Okay. Um, I only know one other movie with her, and by the way, I did name all four of the Highwaymen. It was it was Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, <laughs> Willie Nelson, and Chris Christopherson. I just had to Google it just to make sure. The, and if you get a chance to get their album, it's a really good album. Uh, Nabushe Wright, though, uh, I know her from one other movie. Have you seen her in anything? No, I'm looking at her filmography right now, and it, none of this looks even a little bit familiar. Maybe Dead Presidents? I was going to say, she's in a not very good movie called Dead Presidents. It was half Vietnam movie, half heist robbery movie, or maybe a third uh, Vietnam movie, a third robbery heist movie, and a third, like ghetto boys in the hood menace to society type movie and it wasn't particularly good at any of those three genres it was you know trying to combine so but she's one of the main characters in that from what i recall uh, I, other than blade in this movie i don't think yeah i've seen her in anything and it, uh, if i i think i checked her filmography she kind of stopped acting didn't she yeah she's not in many things yeah it didn't have a long list of films yeah, she was in movies in like the mid to late 90s, maybe the early 2000s, and then, yeah, I don't know what happened, but whatever, yeah, so she was the female lead in Blade. I thought she was good in this. Yeah, she was good. Yeah, um, one of the things I like about it is she doesn't, it could have so easily typically become like the Vicky Vale or the romantic lead, and there's like, it's just like, you make the serum. I'll kill the vampires or whatever, you know. Uh, yeah. You work on the cure. And that's it. Like, that's her role. And <laughs> yeah, I thought that was, you know, I guess me and a teenage 14, 15-year-old me, I was excited that there wasn't, uh, you know, the romance or that sort of, you know, tacked on uh, bit. So. Yeah, I thought that was coming, but it kind of never really did. Mm -hmm. uh, Donald Logue plays Quinn. He's a vampire. Um, I remember he had a show back in the day, a sitcom. I don't remember what it's called. I don't remember that. what it's called, but I know what you're talking about. Oh, Grounded for Life. Yes, yes, yes. Grounded for Life. Yeah. I remember seeing that and enjoying that. He was in Gotham. Uh, I think he was Detective Bullock in Gotham. Yeah, um, I didn't really watch that show, but I knew he was. I, I was aware of it. <laughs> he was in, I was aware of it. He was in uh, shows also, uh, Sons of Anarchy, Terriers, which was only one season, but I remember people loving Terriers. I just never saw it. Um I really liked him in this, and I really liked him in his one leading role in a movie, The Tao of Steve. He was in Zodiac, too. 
I liked Zodiac. I don't remember him in Zodiac. He was in Reindeer Games. I remember him in Reindeer Games. Yep, he was in Reindeer the, uh, Games. Um, um, I don't know what the Dow of Steve is or whatever you say. He was the lead in that. And he was in a... We're talking of Eddie Murphy movie. He has one really good, memorable scene in the Eddie Murphy action movie. It's more action than comedy. Metro. Did you ever see Metro? No. I liked Metro. Okay. Um, but otherwise, yeah. He was in the, he was in the Patriot with uh, Mel Gibson. I only saw that once in the theater. I remember not liking it with Heath Ledger. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm not familiar with that uh, too much. But I do always like seeing Donald Logue. I think he's a good, talented, interesting actor. I think he does comedy really well. I think he does drama well. Um, so I've seen him be a hero. I've seen him be a villain and be some very unsavory characters. So uh, I like him a lot. Um, then we have... Um... Donald, I'm sorry, Donald Logan, we just talked about him. Mm-hmm. Um, Udo Kier, who we talked Udo about last Kier. week. Yeah, we Kier. talked about last week. And here yeah. he plays a vampire. I feel like he was born to play vampires, or at least vampire-looking, sinister, evil people. Yeah. Um, so um, that's a good one worth mentioning, yeah. Yeah, Ronald Camp in the last movie, in East Ventura that we recently reviewed. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other person I think worth even mentioning is... Um, Tracy Lords, I guess, is ah yes, Tracy Lords, famous porn star who has a brief short role in the big. But very what of this a film. great intro to this to the film to the world! Mm-hmm. I thought her scene was fantastic, mm-hmm. uh, introducing us to the world, and then the way they introduce Blade's character the first time we see him. Uh, if you want to learn how to introduce a character well and a you know a subculture world and uh, bring the audience into a movie. The first five minutes of Blade are a masterclass of that, in my opinion. So, And she helps. She definitely does her part very well. Um, the only other movie I remember her in, another 90s movie with an African-American lead. Did you ever see uh, Virtuosity with Denzel Washington and a very young Russell Crowe? No, I didn't see that. Maybe that would be something we could do. I like that she has a small part in that movie as well. Not nearly as memorable or, you know, important as the small role she has mm-hmm. here. One other actor I'd like to give a shout out to though, uh, Tim Guinea. He played Nabuche Wright's boyfriend at the beginning. Ex-boyfriend, yeah. And Ex-boyfriend. He gets end. bit by Donald Logue, then he comes back at the end as like some sort of zombie vamp zombie vampire ghoul, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um I went to film school for a little bit, and he was one of the instructors. He taught a class on teaching, uh, directing actors. Really, Uh, really nice guy. Yeah. And in 1998, he starred in two high-profile vampire movies. He was in Blade, and he was in John Carpenter's Vampires. And uh, someone asked him, like, hey, what, you got a thing with vampire movies? And he goes, they paid the bills that year. (laughs) So he takes the work that he can get. Really nice guy. And I, of course, you know, I had the chance I had to ask him, how is John Carpenter? What's it like working with John Carpenter? He said, John Carpenter is a super nice guy. I consider him a friend. I loved working with John Carpenter. Then I asked him, how was James Woods? He said, eh, I'd rather not say. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Tim Guinea, uh, very, very nice down-to-earth guy. He's done a lot of independent movies, some big movies. He was in The Doors and Heaven and Earth, directed both directed by Oliver Stone. Uh, we've talked about him before. Uh, so, yeah, I've met Tim Guinea several times, and he was very nice. So nice. Mm-hmm. Anyone? So no one else worth mentioning? No, it's for you. Okay, so we'll move on yeah. to the director. 
And um, I don't know much about this director. I looked up his filmography. There's only, I think, only one other film that I've... I was going to say he's directed two big releases from major studios. One was Blade, which was a surprise hit. And the other was The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which Which is is a notorious flop, a terrible movie. And we talked about Director Jail. We talked about Michael Cimino. Michael Cimino at least got to direct a few other movies after Heaven's Gate. He did Year of the Dragon, which was very good. And then he did a few others, which I think were not very good, or I didn't see them, but they mm-hmm. flopped. Um, but uh, this uh, Stephen Norrington, it was a massive flop. It drove Sean Connery to retirement. He never wanted to work again, uh, and he never did work again up until you know his dying days. Um, but yeah, Notorious League, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Notorious Production, awful movie, massive failure, and he has never directed another movie uh, since. And he's allegedly a very difficult person to work with so figure no no one would know recently um no one would know and the other person i want to give a shout out to is david s goyer have you are you familiar with david goyer the screenwriter uh doesn't ring a bell look up his filmography and you will be like wow i've seen a lot of movies that this guy has uh written um, he, he wrote Blade, Blade 2, and Blade 3. He directed Blade Trinity also, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Batman Begins, Batman vs. Superman, uh, like a ton of... Uh, oh, wow. Dark City, which I mentioned, Man of Steel, uh, The Crow, The Crow City of Angels. Um, yeah, so he's, he's written a ton of action, sci-fi... Uh, movies similar to Blade. Uh, some are very good. Some are not very good. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he's he's a very very good, in my opinion, or maybe not good, but a prolific screenwriter <laughs> with maybe limited uh, capabilities. But uh, certainly wrote, wrote a lot of movies that whether you like them or not, you're at least aware of them. So he's worth mentioning. And I think this was one of the big movies that put him on the map. All right. Um, so this movie is uh, 57%, so it's rotten, by critics. Audience score 78%, so well-liked by the audience, not well-liked by the critics. Which is typical for most movies that we do on here. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. Um, and the movie, I'll read a, a brief synopsis. A half-mortal, half-immortal is out to avenge his mother's death and rid the world of vampires. The modern-day technology, technolo- technologically advanced vampires he is going after are in search of his special blood type needed to summon an even go- evil god who plays a key role in their plan to execute the human race. So, uh, yeah, they need a... They call him a daywalker or something. Daywalker, yes. Because he's uh, he's he's he he had basically he has all the strength of all the strengths of being a vampire without any of the negatives, meaning that he uh, can't be harmed by sunlight or, um, I guess really that's it. I mean, and the first shot, uh, the first opening scene of this movie. By the way, I'd love to say the opening shot. Did you like the red credits and the red New Line Cinema logo? Um. I actually wrote in my notes that the opening font, the font, was pl- very plain. 
It was just like standard bold font. I guess I like the red up against the black. So that's okay. what stood out for me. You're right. Yeah, it is plain. It's very, you know, it's not a show. It just said blade yeah. and it was just like, you know, normal. Yeah, but the the red New Line Cinema logo, that didn't stand out to you? I guess that stood out to me. Maybe so. I maybe I didn't even realize it. Okay, okay. So yeah, but the opening scene is, you know, Blade becomes Blade. He's the daywalker because his mother was bit as she was giving birth, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, that's, guess, yeah, yeah, that's that's the gist of it. I mean, it, it so opens. he's literally being born, torn between two worlds: the dark world of the vampires and the human world of light. And so he does have the best of both worlds. I think it's a cool concept. I mean, it's not something I ever thought about. What happens if you, you know, your mother gets bit and she's giving birth and she's turning into a vampire? As you know, while she's in labor, that that's kind of I don't know. I I find that a little interesting. <laughs> Not something I'd have thought of on my own for sure. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So the movie when it opens, it's it's nineteen sixty seven. A uh, woman's being carted into the hospital. She's pregnant and is bleeding from her neck. Um. So yeah, it's you know eventually revealed that uh, he is she was bit by a vampire while pregnant and he is born i guess half vampire half uh human what'd you Um, think of like the opening scenes with the shadows over the cityscapes going really fast i mean it looked very cliche typical 90s but i think it fits really well with this movie yeah it was fine i guess i I don't i don't even know if i really noticed too much of that oh okay Um, (laughs) Maybe I've seen this movie too many times. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, the the movie, you know, so then it, it moves into like a kind of like a meat locker. Well, um, then we meet uh, Tracy Lords, and she's driving with her man. And she's he driving wants with her, a guy, and she's yeah. seducing this guy, and she's seducing him for a reason. And yeah, she takes him to this underground club, which is the meat locker. Did you notice that it's more than just big slabs of meat hanging from the meat hooks there? No, was there people too? Yes, there's people. When he goes, "What the is that?" You know, and they, yeah, that's and there are some deleted scenes in the DVD or extended scenes where you see more and you see like you know just people hanging in those bags, like body okay. bags of human carcasses and uh, you know dead people hanging there. And then I love the way you know she says something to the guy in a foreign word. You know, she kisses. By the way, I was uh, the commentary or somewhere. The guy who opens the door is Tracy Lords's boyfriend in real life. Uh, so she got him uh, a job. And then you hear that techno music, dude, whatever, that, that Blade-themed techno music, which was in every trailer and every commercial for this movie. And then the camera goes into that dark room, and then, bam, you're in that club, which I'm not a big club person, never was. It looks like hell, but I think this is an awesome introduction. <laughs> what do you what, what do you think of this whole intro? Let's just take it from she brings her guy from the meat locker, kisses him into the dark room, into the club, the dancing, the you know, the flashes, the women, you know. And then, of course, obviously, we, we got the... I Look how excited I am. I'm doing the play-by-play now. You know, they're yeah. dancing, the DJ, and then it says bloodbath. The blood slowly trickles down and then showering everywhere. Blood all over. And then this guy realizes he's the only one. He's the sacrificial lamb, and he's going to be the food for all these people. Beating him around, blood everywhere. The music gets louder and louder. Uh, opening credits over it, I think. Yeah, plain text, but that red over the dark black really contrasted well. Uh, 
you meet Donald Logue where he's with the two women. Do you remember what Donald Logue is doing in this scene? Oh, uh, is that him that's like making out with one and getting a blowjob from another? Yes, one? that is. And also, it says directed by Stephen Norrington over that shot. And I'm like, I know he did that on purpose. He did. Yeah. He was not going to let that go. So, yeah, that was clearly a well, well-positioned moment. Um, and then, of course, the guy, the poor, you know, human, the one non-vampire that Tracy Lords brings in, is getting beat up. And then he crawls as the music stops, and then you see Blade, and what a great intro to his character. What did you think of? Because you got you see his feet first, the boots. Everyone's looking at him; they're backing away. You see you, you see him from a distance. Then the camera's panning up from his leg, his boots up to you. They cut off. You don't see his head, and then you finally you know a couple of shots later, you finally see him, and then bam, martial arts time, action. It feels like a Hong Kong John Woo action movie more than it does an American, you know, comic book action movie. That's what I love about the action in this movie. So what did you think about that whole intro to the world that we're about to enter and to this character that is about to dominate the movie? What did you think about all of that? Um, I thought that, first of all, the first thing I thought of when I, when they go to the meat locker and it turns into a nightclub, was a Seinfeld episode where George is dating a pretty woman who uh, gets him into these special clubs, but during the day, it's a meat locker. Do you remember that at all? I do remember that episode, and there are really <laughs> clubs like that in Tribeca, the meatpacking industry in New right. York. I know there's yeah. clubs. So this is, this. I mean, they have, the only difference is they obviously don't have vampires and have showers of blood coming out of the fire extinguishers up top. But, um, yeah, but that was, okay, so it made you think of Seinfeld. Are there any Seinfeld connections with this? I don't think so, but. No, not that I can think of. Okay, or, or, yeah, or, you're or, usually or, good you know, with off that. Top of my so. head. Okay, um, yeah, so... But it, it so, did make me think of that for a second. Um, just a brief right. second. Okay, then, yeah, I was going to um, say, other than there's really nothing in common with the, the Seinfeld, with this movie in general. No, no, other than the sense. location. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a good scene. It's a good introduction to the world you're about to enter. Mm-hmm. Um, the bloodbath was pretty repulsive. Um, it's just the word bloodbath behind the DJ. The DJ's like all hyped up. The way it's directed to the music is pretty, pretty masterfully well done. So whether it's the director or the editor, I thought they really did a good job, you know, matching this up. And uh, I'm not a techno guy, but I do think this song, I guess it did, did it because I like the movie so much, maybe subliminally. I, that's why I like this song and it makes me think of Blade whenever I hear it. So Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it was all good and, and, you know, there's some good action scenes and, um, you know, with, with him using, uh, his weaponry and, uh, Cool weapons too, the the sword and the, the boomerang or whatever he has. So it's kind of like Batman, but it also felt a little like the crow, but it also had that martial arts feel to it that Batman does not have. So I thought that was, it, it really feels like a comic book movie. The way The Matrix felt like a comic book movie as well, even though that wasn't based on a comic. So I, I really think this movie captured that opening scene all the way up to when he has Donald Logue's character pinned against the tiles in 
yeah, the underground. With the silver and burns him with the silver stakes. Yeah, and then he burns him. Uh, too, you see the cops come in, and they look like cops straight out of a comic book movie. They don't look like real cops. <laughs> and I'm thinking of Dirty right. Mark. Hello, real cops. Um, <laughs> you know, and you see Blade's cape, your trench coat, you know, drift away you know, into like a, a air duct. Um, so then the cops don't see him and then he's going out through a manhole cover like Ninja Turtles. I just thought it really captured and created that world so well and so cool. Uh, just, yeah, if, if you want to look at how to introduce a character and how to introduce a world, the audience to a world, this is this first five, ten minutes of Blade masterclass of how to do that. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote Vampire Batman. Um, and my there notes. you go. Okay, yeah, and that's a so. perfect description it, because he moves like Batman. So mm-hmm. yeah, and he had all the little gadgets and everything. Yeah. And, um, and he has Whistler instead of Alfred making stuff for him. He has that black car, which is kind of like the Batmobile, I guess. So yeah, that's a good way of describing it. And they're both dark. Blade is a dark world. Batman is, you know, all about darkness and coming out at night. So yeah, yeah. So it works. Yeah, very very similar. The uh, his car you mentioned his car it's a nineteen sixty eight Dodge Charger, mm-hmm. um, great car, um, very uh, has the the engine called the Hemi, very loud engine, very American, mm. um, mm-hmm. but um, yeah so um, then he lights Donald Logue on fire instead of killing him, which proves to be a mistake, and I'm not sure why mm-hmm. he did that. I don't um, know either, just to have some <laughs> cool moments, because there are some cool moments resulting from that. Yeah, because um, then he goes, you know, they bring his body to the hospital, and, uh, you know, they're examining him, and that's where we're introduced to um, the... Uh, Nabouche Wright, Wright and Tim Guinea. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, now, her, what's her character's name? Karen, I think? Yeah, her name is Ka- yeah, Karen, and I, I don't remember... I don't remember his name either, yeah, yeah. So. Um, but, uh, we, uh, we see Donald Logue's corpse, which is charred and, um, they start examining him and, uh, a bit, you know, get a little bit of a jump scare when he is not dead and, um, you know, running through the hospital, uh, he mm-hmm. actually bites, uh, Karen and then, and, well, he bites. He like, bites uh, Tim Guinea, and uh, much bites worse. Him first yeah, and, and, and he's out, and then he comes after her, and yeah. he bites her. And Blade is coming down the hallway. She, you see it from her point of view. It's unclear, and he's getting closer and closer while she's losing consciousness from being bitten. And yeah, there's a cool. I think a cool. Once again, the cops look like they're you know Keystone cops almost from a a Batman comic book more right. than you know an actual movie. Um, but yeah, there's a shootout with them. They shoot Blade, and uh, he he instead of leaving her for dead, he takes her you know back to his lair right with Whistler. Right where Chris Christopherson's character yeah. Whistler is, um, and he. Um, Thinks that she's too far gone, but is going to give her something, some kind of garlic thing, yeah. which, uh, you know, I guess that, that, and they also introduced the, the rules to vampires. At, yeah, because this world, it's different. Crosses do nothing. Yeah, crosses um, don't do anything. And I yeah. read online that it was because 
they thought, well, what if the, <laughs> so there's no Jewish vampires or something like that? <laughs> yeah. You know, some Hollywood executive probably came up with that line. But yeah. you know what? Whatever, it works. It made for a good... If that's the reason someone was thinking of the Jews at that moment, good for them. Uh, <laughs> but I thought that was... that was uh, Yeah, I read the same uh, IMDb trivia uh, yeah. bit, I guess, about that. Um, but yeah, uh, and I'll just say this. I love garlic so much, I could never be a vampire. <laughs> yeah i just I, I could eat garlic cloves uh, roasted garlic cloves or just the mm-hmm. way they are i love garlic but all right so yeah go on so she karen wakes up she meets whistler she meets blade is that what we're up to now um i well there's i think there's a scene in between where um ronald camp from last week i forget his name um udo but, kier yes we yeah. meet frost and udo kier is like in charge of the vampire council and yeah. frost is sort of this renegade vampire who's having these clubs to lure people in and that's yeah, he's too the much nightclub press. owner yeah he's the nightclub guy to try to get the humans yeah, yeah I, I wrote uh deacon frost is the vampire bad boy yes um, there you go <laughs> and he um he is not a pure vampire, meaning that he was not born a vampire, mm-hmm. um, like the all the other on the council are. So he could never rule the council or some nonsense like that. Yeah, um, he was turned. He was bitten and turned. Like yeah, he you was know, turned. Like a lot of he, other yeah, exactly. uh, vamp- the way you become a vampire. Um, yeah, so a little bit of vampire subculture there. There's their own prejudices and racism among the vampires, as we see. <laughs> so yep. Um. Then, yeah, then we get to the where Blade and Whistler tell Karen about the war between, you know, that, that vampires are basically everywhere. and The world you see is just a sugar-coated topping. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that, right? Yeah. There's worse things out than vampires tonight, like what? Like me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, they tell her to get out of town and run away. Um, she um, goes back to her house. A cop shows up, um, and then Blade shows up, and because I guess they kind of used Karen as bait. He used her, yeah, exactly, yeah. And the cop is not a vampire, but he is a, I think they call him a friendly or something like that. A Renfield, pretty much. He wants to be. (laughs) He's serving his master. (laughs) Exactly, Um, and he's loyal to the vampires because he wants to eventually be a vampire or something like that. Um, So he tries to... um, kill her i guess I, I guess that's what he's trying to do um yeah. meanwhile frost is translating some old vampire language and we're not sure why yet at this point um then there is a scene with um uh pearl which is really oh funny. the fat guy or lady fat i think it's a man but yeah, it's a man yeah. Oh, okay yeah um and they're trying to figure out uh, what's going on, what what Frost is doing, um, why he's looking for um, the old uh, Bibles, I guess, of the vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's uh, a lot of hand-to-hand combat in the Bible room. I, well, you forgot they burn Pearl pretty bad with that UV ray. And he goes, yes, it's it's heavy, but you're so big. <laughs> Whistler and Blade yeah. have that funny little dialogue. Yeah. So they get past him. And now we're up to where there's all those uh, those 
I guess the scrolls in glass cases. Yeah, and that's where they there's a big fight in there. Whistler um, comes to save the day, catch yes, you at a bad yeah. time or whatever he says. Yeah, and then there's the subway chase and action scene. What did you think yeah. about those action scenes? I thought they were pretty good with the motorcycle and the subway. I, yeah, maybe the CGI all, all doesn't good. hold up. Yeah, that's it. yeah, the CGI was a little bad and with the subway scene, but yeah, the, the little girl kick, surprise kicking him and being the villain. I thought that was cool. I didn't, you know, the first time I saw it, I certainly didn't see that coming. Yeah, so. that was kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I forgot about that. Um, then the, yeah, then there's the subway scene and then there's some exposition about Blade and, you know, who he is and what, you know, how he met Whistler. Yeah. How he met Whistler. Exactly. His bloodline and, and all that. Um, then they burn the, uh, the vampire leader guy that we had talked about before. Um, defang fuck. him and burn cuts his fangs out and then uh, he's like out on the beach during sunrise um, once again bad CGI but a cool effective scene nonetheless overall. yeah I agree the CGI wasn't good but it didn't really take me no. out of the scene yeah I agree with that yeah um and then um Karen has some kind of uh, she's a pathologist, I guess, right? Hematologist. Uh, she's hematologist, a blood yeah. doctor, yeah. So she deals with blood, and that's why she gets called in. He wants her to see the morgue because she's like, this dead body has living, you know, the blood cells. Or you see them, you know, in the microscope, they look, you know, like blood cells, and right, yeah. Right. So that's why Tim Guinea calls her over. She thinks he just wants to talk to her because you know they're recently broken up, but there's really something up with the corpse and obviously it was Donald Logue's character and he killed, you know, bites her mm-hmm. and bites him. Yeah. So, uh, so then she has some kind of, a something that they, she uses or used, you know, used as a doctor that when they use it on vampire blood, it basically makes the blood explode. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> so that shows, that's obviously something that's going to be, uh, used going forward. Convenient plot point that she's yeah. a blood, expert to help blade with all of this but uh, you know what i i bought it i you know forgive it for that um yeah so um so blade meets uh deacon and um is this in chinatown during the daylight yep so that now this I, was, I found a little bit of a flaw. Okay, you just need a lot of sunscreen and you could be out in the daylight if so you're a vampire. So that's what it was sunscreen because he just had a ton of sunscreen on. Yeah. Whereas before, you know, when Udo Kier dies, yes, he has sunscreen on, but they also have those helmets and they put the visors down. I don't know. Maybe that was because it was direct dawn sunlight. I don't know yeah. versus regular sunlight. I'm not sure, but yeah, I, I, I let it go. I let that slide. So, um, then they, they Frost ends up um, tracking down where Blade's uh, hideout is. They mm-hmm. they beat up Whistler, and I, I I thought they'd kill him, but I guess they don't. Uh, well, I'm not going to tell you. Hey, movies. come on. You haven't seen Highlander 2 with all the time traveling and stuff? <laughs> I haven't seen Highlander 1. Oh, come on, man. You got to see Highlander <laughs> 1. <laughs> okay. There can only be one, even though they made many. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Oh, God. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, um, all right, I'm so not going to anyway, tell you how, how uh, Whistler ends up in Blade 2 or if he's in Blade Trinity. But uh, That's fine. You don't have to tell me. But um, <laughs> he's uh, – so, I guess he dies in this one. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. But it's left to assume <laughs> that he's dead. And, Correct. And um, – 
we find out that um, they, they kidnap Karen. And we find out that he's trying to create a vampire apocalypse. Um, and they need... Um, they're, they're resurrecting some kind of old vampire god. And in order to La Magra, that, right? La Magra, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, then, but in order to do that, they need uh, Blade's blood because he is a daywalker, which we had talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, Blade rides in on a motorcycle and kills a lot of people, um, and uh, goes to Frost's bedroom where we find out that Blade's mom is actually Frost's girlfriend, I guess. Yep. Um, which we, we saw her earlier in the movie, but, you know, she's... You don't different. see her face. You don't see... They they purposely... Oh, you, you see, like see a, her face? Okay. Well, certainly not a close-up. You see a body. Yeah. Okay, you could tell it's a black woman, um, but you can't really... Uh, yeah, you don't... You'd have to really be looking or really know, maybe if you know the person, you know what I'm saying, you'd be able to put two and two together. But there's no close-up of her face, whereas now we're seeing her face. And if you remember the face from the beginning, you know, yeah, now it's a clear close-up. But she doesn't get a close-up before when we see her in bed, in Frost's uh, bedroom, while he's doing his work on the computer. Right, and and, then... She she looks different anyway, and so I don't correct. Know if yeah, I she doesn't have the nineteen sixty seven hair. Yeah, she looks modern and young, and mm-hmm. like yeah. So yeah, she she doesn't look like she's dying from a vampire bite for sure. No, so. right, and that's how she yeah. looked in the beginning. And correct, uh, yeah. so you find out that Frost is the one that bit her in the first place. Um, how convenient! How convenient that it's all tied together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a million. There's a million vampires in the world, but the, you know those that just is how it worked out. Um, and, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, the reveal there is she calls him Eric, so that's where you kind of hear his first name, and, um, you know, at at the same time, Karen is pushed into a pit with her ex-boyfriend in there, uh, Tim Guinea's character, Mm -hmm. and kind of a weird scene. Um, it is, yeah. It, it feels more like a, out of a zombie movie, but yeah. they give some weird explanation. Yeah, sometimes, you know, when you bite them, they turn into zombies. What are you going to do? It's some, like, throwaway dialogue like that. And I'm like, what? Okay. Yeah, very yeah, very weird that he was different than everybody else, and he was, like, kept in a cage, and, and he was talking a lot. It was weird. Yeah. Um, but uh, she ends up... I don't know, getting out of there somehow. Yeah, she doesn't kill him. She just sort of cr- knocks him out and then yeah, escapes knocks him out. herself. Yeah. yeah, he's still screaming, you know, Karen, you know. Well, yeah. You see she's getting away, yeah. Yep. Um, then um, Karen, well, Blade is put into this uh, kind of chamber to extract his blood. That was kind of mm-hmm. gruesome with, like, the things slitting his wrists. Yeah, this and... would be the scene where I feel like it, the third, the end of the second act, beginning of the third act, get a little dark and depressing. And this is where the movie drags a little bit. I, I would agree. sped up a few things. This is where it's like, okay, it was a fun, action-packed thrill ride. And then it gets really depressing for a little bit too long. Maybe five minutes could have been snipped from this general section here all throughout, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so because it's a lot of, you know, yes, you're seeing the blood. The blood goes into the camera from his wrist through his fingers onto the, you know, right onto the screen there. And then it comes down and you've got the elders, the council, all, you know, held against their will. 
um, for the ceremony of La Magra to take place or whatever it is. So, yeah. Yeah, and then the blood is, like, hitting their everyone's foreheads, and then the blood yeah, yeah, goes yeah. to Deacon, and it starts burning people, right? Then it reminded me of... Well, no, then those, those the skulls come out, and they fly away, and they're, like, the spirits of the elder vampires, and they fly through Deacon and rip his shirt off and stuff, and, yeah, it's... It's whatever. It's it's some, some cool moments, but also it could have been didn't need to be as long as it was. I felt like this part dragged, and I felt felt this way. I've seen this movie many times. I felt this way, you know, each time I watch it. It's a little bit too slow and a little too oddly depressing at these moments. Yeah, and with the skulls and stuff flying around, I wrote Indiana Jones type stuff. Okay. Um, yeah. Raiders of the right. Lost Ark. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um. Karen ends up saving Blade from the thing, but not before La Magra ends up happening anyway. Yeah. Um, Although she, Karen, yeah, she gets him out, and then she he needs to bite on her to get some energy back. Right, so he And then this is where what happens, He his mother comes, and you could go from there. Well, he ends up killing his mother, right? As With all a stake. So he yeah. the, the, the Oedipal things, the ramifications or the analysis of this, uh, he bones his, you know, shoves a wood <laughs> into his mother a little bit, uh, you know, yeah. killing his mother. Yeah, I, I feel like, uh, you know, you could write a lot of uh, Sigmund Freud papers on uh-huh. that scene alone right there. Uh, but then, of course, now Blade has his strength, his, en- his energy back. So what's going to happen next? Um, there is, I wrote, more kung fu stuff. More kung fu stuff. Big (laughs) ending fight scene. He fights a bunch of goons, takes them out very easily, and it all comes down. He takes Donald Logue. He takes Donald Logue. Donald Logue dies kind of Boba Fett style, where he's this big character and he gets a pretty unceremonious death. Um, but that, that allows Blade to get his sunglasses back from Donald Logue. And then yes. they cool the, the struck by lightning. Th- what did you think of the soundtrack of this? I'm not a big rap techno fan, and I know you aren't. But what did you think? Did you at least think that it, the, some of the fight scenes were well choreographed and edited to the music or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, in, in, in fact, I wrote down during the very last fight, I wrote down Mortal Kombat because I was waiting for someone to scream that. <laughs> okay, all right. And this was both are released by New Line, so is similar a similar vibe to Mortal Kombat that mm-hmm. was PG-13 this was sort of the R rating that maybe Mortal Kombat could or should have been yeah. although if you saw the recent Mortal Kombat you realize I'd take the PG-13 1995 version <laughs> Any day, in my opinion. But, uh, yeah, definitely that Struck by Lightning song sounds like Mortal Kombat. And, uh, yeah, a lot of cool kung fu. And then the long, big fight with uh, uh, Blade versus Deacon Frost. Um, Right. And, yeah, what would you think of that? Um, I thought it was good. Um, He, uh, they kind of have, like, a sword fight. And then... um, you know, it was. I thought it was a good fight, and then it he, was bad CGI though in a few moments. Yeah, and then you know, as we suspected, or at least as I kind of knew what was going to happen, he ends up injecting him with that blood stuff that, that like nine of those him. needles. Yeah, like yeah. you know, he just and kicks. He gets him out from the you know where they're stuck on a ledge the there. Rock, yeah, they, and that's pretty cool how he catches him from behind his behind back his and back, then yeah. throws him out. I I still think it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that and that was done. That was uh, done because of negative test screenings. They had to go back and reshoot that ending because the original ending he turns into Lamagra, and Lamagra is you see it on the deleted scene. It's like a giant 
red blob. It's like the blob. And so Blade had to fight this blob. It was horrible. So much better him fighting a human form. Okay, you know, Deacon Frost, Kung Fu, sword battling him than whatever they thought was going to work with that uh, CGI Lamar. Did you see blob. that other version? You do see it on the deleted scene. It's not perfectly finished, but it's still... it's. It's a really bad ending. It's really... I'm so glad that the... This is one of the times where the audience test screenings were right. Because this would have been such a letdown. It might have ruined the rest of the movie and brought the whole movie down uh, to a, you know, a lower level from like a B movie to a C or D movie, for sure. Uh, So it it really was bad. Um, But, uh, yeah, so I, I do think this ending is, you know... Good or entertaining, salvageable, maybe predictable, but certainly salvageable. So, okay, yeah, um, yeah, it was better that probably better that he's in human form. Although I did think like, okay, this whole the whole plot in general is weak. I think. Oh yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, no, it's not and, a great plot. Yeah. And the focus on this Lamagra and then it ends up like, what did it even do? It just makes Frost, I guess, a little more powerful and makes his eyes red. <laughs> like, a little more immortal where you could yeah. Yeah, cut him in half and he's, you know... He can regenerate. He can regenerate. Like yeah, you cut but... his arm off and it just grows back and yeah, it's, uh, yeah or at I least faster. It felt like a lot of build-up for not much really happening. So. It's better than the alternative. And, and trust say, me. I've alternative seen the other worse, side, and it's yeah. So you could say that, but at least it's a it's a satisfying ending. It's not a great ending, but the plot isn't a great plot. This movie works on action and mood. The mood is great. Okay, the atmosphere, the tone, the world. I do think like the Matrix created a, a whole new world and brought us into it. This created a world similar. And brought us into it, and it came out before The Matrix, so I, I give it a lot of credit, even though, yes, it, the influences may have been coincidental, uh, but mm-hmm. it, it's, I definitely give it a lot of credit for the atmosphere it created, more than the plot. Yeah, so um, Frost ends up dying, and then the scene, the movie <clears throat> ends with um, Blade in Russia. Well, first, Blade has that, you know, you think he's going to kiss her or something, but, you know, you make work on the cure. I'll, you know, with uh, he climbs out with Nabouche Wright and right. explains what she's going to do and what he's going to do. And then, yes, there's a very random scene. And this was originally, that was going to be Whistler as the, uh, the vampire that Blade is going to attack, who's, you know, about to hurt that woman in Russia, in Moscow. Oh. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, so there is more to Whistler uh, that you will find out if you see Blade 2 or 3. Uh, I definitely recommend Blade 2. Um, now, is Karen in any of the future movies? Or she is not. He's the only, I think those two are the only two that cross over into the other movies i don't think anyone there's really not many other people left (laughs) that is true (laughs) that is well you didn't think blissler was left but uh he shows up um the third one has ryan reynolds and uh jessica beale as whistler's daughter so uh yeah when they were both still up and coming what about whistler's mother we don't know Uh, who she is that that's a famous painting that's why i said that (laughs) Yes, uh, there you go. Very good. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm not. 
So you'll, I don't know. So that's, and yeah, it's Blade. And then I've read that it's implied that the character that Blade is about to attack in Moscow mm-hmm. is Mobius or Morbius, who's another Marvel vampire character. And he's getting his own movie with Jared Leto that's been postponed many times due to COVID. Um, did you, oh. do you know anything about, I'm not a big Marvel person and I don't think you are either. We have mutual friends that might be, uh, but, uh, have you heard about the new Jared Leto Mobius movie or Morbius? I forget what it's called. I've heard of it. I don't remember in what context I've heard of it, but I have heard of it and I don't okay. know who Morbius is. Uh, when it comes to I don't to know if he's a good books, guy or a bad guy, but he's supposed to be a vampire Marvel character. Okay, yeah. Jared when it comes Leto's to play when it comes to comic books, I know Batman, I know Superman, and I know Spider Man and Iron Man. But after like those original ones or those more famous ones, the rest I only know them because they're they resurfaced into <laughs> the MCU or, or whatever. Yeah. Black Panther. Tell 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 everyone what we worked years ago with someone who kept I'm talking about see. Black Panther. <laughs> and every time this guy mentioned Black Panther, and believe me, he mentioned him a lot. Rich said, "Sorry, I had a fight at your Black Panther party." <laughs> and uh, don't you have a, some sort of story or connection with Aquaman? Uh, no, I don't have a story or connection with Aquaman. Um. I like. Oh yeah, I had a. <laughs> you, you told us some story I about had an Aquaman. Aquaman toy that was given to me by uh, one of my brother's friends when I was little, and I think it was only given to me because it was Aquaman. Um, but at he, the time, you thought it was really cool because it was like your older brother's friend was giving you a toy, and you, yeah, you were, yeah, yeah, you were very excited. <laughs> so. I was, and then later I realized, well, he gave me Aquaman to shut me up, and he. <laughs> It's not, it's not Batman, it's not Superman, it's not yeah. even Robin, okay? It's exactly. Aquaman. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Robin, what are you going to do? I've got this cell phone. Yep. <laughs> no, no bars. bars. <laughs> That's a great family guy. That is, that is. Um, and so that was Blade, and then, you know, they cut Blade. right to, you know, the credits. And once again, good music cue. Uh, I thought the soundtrack was good. And yeah, I mean, that was a, a good two-hour, solid two-hour movie. Um, I think we know what I think, but uh, this is a movie that I've seen many times. I own the DVD. I've watched it a lot with friends. I've watched it, you know, by myself. Um, I've seen the sequels. So I definitely like this movie. And I think I'm surprised to see that it was rotten. Like, you know, more than I am, you know, just def- going to defend it. I just didn't think it was rotten. Um, so I definitely like it. I don't think it's a real big mistake. Rich, what is your verdict on this one? Because I have no idea. I feel like you could go either way on this. So, um, so much of these kind of movies matters. Uh, I mean, a lot goes into, you know, how you feel about these movies, especially these movies. I'll call them fringe movies, you know, movies that, you know, you you can probably admit it's not the best movie, but you like it. Right. Um, Well, I mean, I think at the time I this was before The Matrix. I hadn't seen a movie quite like this. Okay. so so at that time, seeing this in the theaters in summer of 1998, was, I mean, this, you know, was pretty special, and it stood out, and I mean, I feel like now it's sort of a forgotten Marvel movie, where, you know, it's it, it represents a relic of 90s block, summer blockbusters that were not interested in, you know, placating to comic book fans, but were just trying to make 
action movies. I don't think, from what I told you about Whistler, I don't think they were planning on having a sequel. Right. Okay, I don't think they were planning on having a universe, and then it worked out, and they're like, oh, well, let's, you know, bring him back for whatever reason or however reason they bring him back. So, uh, but tonally, it could not be more different than the modern Marvel movie. Oh, yeah, I, yeah, I agree with that completely. And I guess I like this tone better. And also, I picked this for Black History Month. Yeah, Black Panther is a much better movie for Black History Month. It was released during Black History Month. Obviously, it's not rotten. It was a Best Picture nominee. But I kind of like the way 90s movies maybe dealt with racism or racial discussions where Black Panther is a great movie for what it is and it's an important movie for what it is but I I kind of prefer Blade because did it matter that Blade was black? No. Exactly. He was the good guy. He was killing vampires. He could have been black. He could have been white. He could have been Spanish. It did Asian uh, you know anything. It didn't matter. Okay, because he was the good guy, he was killing the bad guys, and I kind of think that that's more noble than the the world, the PC world we're living in today, where they have to give you an explanation, you know, and, and I think, you know, 10 or 20 years from now, every, you know, superhero might not only have to be a member of a minority, but maybe another member of another minority, they might have to be homosexual as well, so I just think it didn't matter that he was black, he was the good guy, you rooted for him whether you, you were white or black, it didn't really matter so i i thought that the, it didn't beat you over the, the head with its theme or its no, messages so i guess i like my superhero movies or maybe just my movies in general with a little bit more subtlety where it doesn't have to remind you that he's a minority in every scene or you know he's dealing with these other issues because of his race mm-hmm. he yeah he was the black guy and but he was the hero and that was it and if you don't like black people, then don't see the movie. And don't, you know, it's, it did not matter. And I thought that was kind of noble about movies of this era. So. Yeah. Um, so anyway, going back to what I was saying, um, you know, so much of these movies that are, you know, on the fringe and, you know, they're not critically acclaimed. Um, so much matters when you see them and, you know, what, you know, the time period you saw them and, you saw this before the matrix. So that was mind blowing to you. Um, had I seen this when I was 15, I probably would have a different outlook on it than what I currently Mm. do. Um, not to say that, you know, not better or worse, maybe just different. Um, but the way you felt, you mentioned this about fight club. You, you would have had more, if you saw fight club in 1999, (laughs) maybe you wouldn't have thought it was the best movie and wanted to have your own fight club and followed, you know, like, like a lot of people didn't have Tyler Durden posters in your room, but you may have, it may have had more of an impact on you because you had never seen a movie like that before. Exactly. So Blade, Um, I had seen action movies, but I hadn't quite seen an action movie and I had seen superhero movies, but none quite like Blade at that time. So I really gave it a lot of credit. Yeah. Yeah. So... For me, it didn't do enough to make to. I, I'm kind of with the critics on this one. Um, mm. I, I don't think it's you know it's not a horrible movie by any means, and it's not you know it, it's I I I don't know. I, I was when it, when there was action, I was into it, and when there wasn't action, I was taken out of it. 
Um, and there's a lot of portions in the second to third act yes, where there's that, just yeah, it, it, it is and it a drags. little. It's and not a perfect movie. It does drag a little and it, bit. Yeah, it dragged and the and, yeah, and it's long. It's, it's over two hours. It's, over it's two a good. Hours. I think it's exactly two hours. Okay, so, uh, I thought it was two yeah. fifteen, but okay, so it's okay, exactly yeah. two hours. I think it probably could have been an hour and forty five. Um, yeah. And the the scenes that there weren't there wasn't action. Like I said, kind of took me out of it. I, mm. I got bored at times. The whole plot didn't really lead up to anything, um, mm-hmm. and not that it needs to. I, I get what it, it was is just led up to more good action. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and, and like like I said, I, I get it. I enjoyed it for what it is, but it didn't. I'm kind of right where the critics are. I think it's you know 57 percent is probably right about where I would put it. Um, at just seeing it at this point in my life, you know, I'm older and I'm not, you know. I, I yeah. you know I've seen action movies and like you said Matrix things like that. I appreciate it for what it is. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, and I didn't hate it, um, okay. but I didn't love it enough to say that the critics were wrong. Does that make sense? You're in the middle with it. You could yeah, sort of go either exactly. Way. All <laughs> right. Yeah. So I I understand that sentiment. Uh, but if, and the fact that if you're gonna if someone says should I see Blade. You weren't blown away by it, so you'll be like, "Nah, just watch The Matrix if you've never seen that." Right, and I right exactly, and and I wouldn't say don't see it, but I wouldn't say you. It's not a movie that I say, "Oh, you got to see this." You know, okay, yeah. Just see, say, I disagree. I th- yeah. I say you got to see this. I say you got to see Blade Two, Blade Trinity. Uh, I remember these movies being a big deal. I, I do. Uh, maybe not the first one, but I remember when, like, Blade 2 came out, and then Blade 3, like, I remember people being excited for them. I never okay. saw them, so I never got into them, but, and I'm, uh, you know, if it was a comic book thing, I definitely wasn't into it, but, yeah. um, you know, I remember them being pretty significant culturally when they came out, uh, okay. even though, even if they weren't critically acclaimed, and, and I, I remember people not liking the third Blade as much as the other two. I do remember that. So. Yeah, it's definitely the weakest of the three. I still think it's good, but it's... Yeah. Blade 2 was directed by Guillermo del Toro, who, I mean, I don't need to tell you. He's He's gone on to win Academy Awards. He's a terrific director. Yeah, that's kind um, of like an alien aliens thing, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to say his Blade 2 is better than Blade 1, but it, it adds a lot. He adds a lot to the, the you know, franchise. Okay. And he, he really directs the... He, he probably made Blade 2 better than it should have been, just because he's Guillermo del Toro. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah. Like, maybe you could say the same thing about James Cameron. Okay, right. although the first Alien is phenomenal in its own right. Right, it's but, a little uh, different because Ridley yeah, Scott is so a more acclaimed director. He's, than he's a... He's a yeah, Alien so. 1 is a much better movie than Blade 1. But, uh, yeah. But Blade 2 certainly, you know, benefited from Guillermo del Toro's involvement. And there's other... Because it goes ahead and it, the plot is Blade has to save the vampires. Because now there's something worse than vampires. And oh, the, okay. so so it's kind of like turning you know he's got to work for his enemies now because there's something out there and once they're done killing the vampires who do you think they're going to kill next so it's like there's been a mutation among the vampires and he has to try to work with them to stop them uh so that's, uh, so that's, yeah. uh so then it's got a bit of a terminator 2 vibe where now they're working with arnold instead of against him 
Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, so him and, uh, yeah, I'm not going to tell you how Whistler gets involved because you haven't seen it, and on the one chance you do see it, I, I recommend Blade 2. I mean, if you're remotely curious, I think there's worse ways to spend two hours of your life. Uh, and you know what? Maybe uh, I'll do that on a season three of our podcast at some point if I really <laughs> run out of titles because it is considered rotten. All three of them are rotten, but I think, like, Blade Trinity is, like, way rotten really so rotten. all all three of them are rotten but i don't think either three have the you know they all deserve slightly better than what they are so uh so that's my take so i say it's not a real big mistake you say it is a real big mistake uh i say it's not a perfect movie but the good for me clearly outweighs the bad so all right um so that does it for blade um and um yeah that that's it for blade one real big mistake one not a real big mistake um yeah i mean i won't go out of my way to see the second one but i'm not opposed to seeing it for sure okay um and that brings us to uh, the end of blade and the for our choice or my choice for next week um so next week I am, uh, you know what, I, I mean, I'm still not 100% sure. I'm tossing a few up in my head right now. Um, I think I'm going to go... You could decide after. You could play a game where I pick my poison. No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, you don't like doing that? All I right. Wanna, well, I don't want to put it on I mean, well, it's February. There's Valentine's Day stuff, so you could still do something romantic if you want. It's Black History Month if you want to continue that trend. Uh, the Oscars are coming up, so if you want to do a critically acclaimed movie that you don't like, uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I thought I knew what you were going to pick, but we'll see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we had talked about this, so maybe I'll just do it. Um so recently we saw that it was the 35th anniversary of this movie. Uh, since it is February for, at the time that we'll be recording this, uh, and we haven't done, I don't think we've done any romantic comedies, have we? Unless you count Mumford. I remember I picked Mumford. Because uh, yeah. that's a romance, if there's romance in it, it's a romantic movie. Uh, yeah, you know, with with other elements too as well, but it's it's not like a, it's not when Harry met Sally. Okay, no, no, no. But uh, yeah, so it's not All just right. you know boy so is, boy meets yeah. girl kind of thing. If this movie's a little bit more like that, then uh, okay. Yeah, so this is more of a, a standard rom com. We're going way back to 1987 um, for the um, Kim Cattrall, Andrew McCarthy comedy mannequin <laughs> i've never seen this all the way through I, i've seen pieces of it on usa i well, vaguely remember I'm glad that you now know. you have to watch it <laughs> i have to else. watch it yeah. because i'll be honest i don't even know where i stand on this movie it's been so long <laughs> you said I've that about it. rad as well <laughs> yeah so we'll see this is kind of one that i remember liking years and years ago when i saw it okay. probably as a kid um the the premise is interesting um to say the least so we'll, we'll see uh how you think this stands and, well, and yeah uh you know take you back to an 80s movie that you never saw i've never seen mannequin but i'll guarantee you this it's one of the top five andrew mccarthy movies <laughs> okay 
Because <laughs> he made five. <laughs> he only has five. Good that games. I don't know, but I've seen Weekend at Bernie's 1 and Weekend at Bernie's 2. <laughs> so even if I hate this, it might be somewhere behind those two. So, Oh, man. If well, I, I don't know because I like Weekend at Bernie's. Not the second one, but the first one. Oh, I love Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, okay. <laughs> That is illegal. What you're doing is illegal. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I could not stop laughing at that. And the second one has its moments uh, for sure. But uh, definitely. So, uh, so you, are you saying Weekend at Bernie's one and two are in his top five? I can't think of anything else he's done. So that's one and two. What else has Andrew McCarthy done? Um, well, he was in the Brat Pack, so he he's in Pretty in Pink, and uh, he was who was five. he in Pretty in Pink? He's the main character. Oh, he was Molly Ringwald's boyfriend. Okay, yes. all right, okay. And James Spader was the jerk in He that. was the okay, bad guy. Okay, now I remember it. Yes, yes, now I... Okay, so Pretty in Pink is a good movie. Okay, so three good Andrew McCarthy movies. St. Elmo's Fire, I remember liking. I don't remember him. I remember Rob Lowe. I remember Demi Moore. I don't remember him in that movie, to be honest. Yeah, he's in that. So. He's in St. Elmo's Fire. He's in Pretty in Pink. Um, I remember Andy McDowell in St. Elmo's Fire. Yeah. Uh, and so, then he's yeah, in the Weekend at Bernie's movie. So... Um, yeah. So it has a chance to be in the top five for sure. Yeah, um, and um, James Spader is also in Mannequin too. So. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Well, I I, I was almost I'm almost certain you were gonna. Now I'm more curious what the other alternates were gonna be. Uh, well, I have so. another one floating in my head that I, I think I'm gonna save for the last week. Then maybe you'll save that for the last one, uh, our yep. season finale. All right. So next week it's Mannequin. Yep. Mannequin, 1987. Alrighty. Don't know where uh, you can find it, but I hope you Is can it on it. Amazon? Is it not? I, I don't it, know. I didn't look oh, into okay. well, where you can find it. Usually it we'll says on Rotten Tomatoes. Um on what it's streaming on, on? On the mobile, yeah, on the mobile. Hopefully right. we can rent it. If not, then uh yeah. I'm sure you can. It's not that obscure. It was on Netflix recently. It might still be. There are some movies though that you cannot rent or they're not even available to rent or purchase on uh Amazon. So oh. Well, if we hopefully, find hopefully that's not the case. It. Hopefully, hopefully that's not the case. So, yeah. all righty, you want to sign off first? Yep. All right. So, um, again, my name is Rich Tola. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Real Big Mistakes, and um, be sure to like, subscribe, and um, send us your ideas for any movies you want us to review. Actually, I got a uh, suggestion, Jay, but I'm not going to share it with you now. Uh, okay but i did get a suggestion from somebody so okay all right cool okay um and i'm jason konigsberg of panandslam.com you could uh, listen to all of our podcasts and read all my articles and reviews at www.panandslam.com follow me on twitter at jason k critic live long prosper and watch movies all right thanks for hanging with us